So who loves the decorations? Is the decorations just, my, 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 uh, oh my gosh, like Crystal and the ladies who help decorate, isn't this awesome? Absolutely beautiful. My, it's really funny because my wife is from Michigan and she's turning into one of those like rustic, she's starting to like the rustic decorations with the wood and the pine and everything else. Um, we, we go in our house, we've got this pine decoration on the front of our apartment door and she's like, one of the branches broke. And I, I, probably it was me walking in the door just with my back. I, like, decorations are wonderful, but I feel scared to touch. <laughs> like, I feel scared to touch sometimes. There's a special pillow on the couch. I'm like, is that a sit-on pillow? Is that a lay-on pillow? Is that a decoration pillow? Right? There's towels in the... Are there any guys in the room that have no clue what towels we can use over the holidays? Like, I have no clue. I'm like, she said, that's a decoration. I'm like, well, that's good for me to know, right? But it, it's an honor for me to get to share the word this morning because I, I was thinking back... I don't know that I've gotten the opportunity to preach a Sunday Christmas sermon, in a sense, that comes right before Christmas, and I love the fact that this year, just like last year, we've celebrated Advent, and for those of you who may not understand what Advent is or what it's talking about, I'm not going to go into a full definition. What I would encourage you to do, and even those that are on Facebook Live, get this Christian Life Fellowship, get the CLF app, and you can actually go back between Facebook Live and on the app and listen to the other sermons in this Advent series. And uh, here's the thing I know. I know that we've all got priorities. I know that we're celebrating some of our family Christmas today, too. But in the middle of our priorities, is it okay if we kind of keep our priorities in check? Is that cool? I'm proud of you for being here. I'm glad you're here. It's an honor that you're here. And I'm, I'm not going to take a lot of time today because when it comes to a sermon on love, I kind of feel like um, sometimes I feel like the guy who gets the generic sermon. I think a couple years ago I got, um, I got the cross. There's a hundred thousand ways to go with the cross, right? And it's the same way with love. And, but he, here's the cool part. Have you ever heard a sermon on a subject and it didn't really make tons of sense to you? And then you heard another sermon on the same subject and all of a sudden something clicked. That happens a lot. Like, to be perfectly honest with you, we have the word of God and a lot of times as pastors, we're just trying to take it and package it in such a way that it hits you where you're at in your life today. And today I have a different idea when it comes to the presentation of love of Advent. There's four weeks of Advent. These four weeks have to do with the four, four of the key principles in a Christian's life. And it's also four of the reasons Jesus came. A couple of the words I might use this morning is the word incarnation simply means Jesus coming from heaven to earth. That whole process of him coming to earth as a baby, that incarnation is what we're celebrating. But the four weeks of Advent have been on hope have been on joy, have been on peace, and today is love. And here's the cool part. Hope, peace, and joy are all examples of God's love. They're all part of examples of God's love, right? So taking one without the other is kind of like going, do I want to breathe in or breathe out? They're both kind of important. You stop doing one, death might occur, right? We kind of need a danger tag. We haven't earned any of these things, right? Has anybody earned hope in the room? I'm just that good, right? I'm just that good to receive God's love. None of us have earned any of these things, yet we've been given these gifts, and we need to learn how to use them, right? We need to learn how to use them and utilize them both in our own lives and so we can share them with others. God never gave us these gifts to hoard them for ourselves and to just keep them inside. These should be given. So we're going to be talking about a lot of scripture this morning, and literally, usually in my sermons, I may have five or six pages. We're on two and a half pages. 
So I'm not going to keep you long, but this is what I want to do. I want to show you some principles about God's love, because I'll just be totally upfront with you. My goal this morning is not to convince you of God's love. My goal is not to, is not to help you understand more of God's love. Some, some of you in the room who like details, you're like, I'm going to take notes so I can better understand God's love. I actually want to do the exact opposite. I think sometimes we take the love of God and make it a song, which is wonderful. I love singing about the love of God. Your love never fails. But sometimes I think that we can fully comprehend it. I actually want this morning to give us a zoom out. I want to help us zoom out and take a bigger picture and help us understand God's love is beyond our imagination. His love is huge. His love is massive. So we've got a lot of scripture we're going to put in this morning, and also a book I'm going to reference a lot. It's called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. I love A.W. Tozer, and this book is not an um, afternoon tea read for fun. If you want to understand better the attributes of God and the way that he has revealed himself through the word of God, this is a wonderful book to read. It's a deep study. It's small, but Laura and I both basically read a three-page chapter in a sitting, and we have to chew on it and meditate on it. So we'll have a lot of direct quotes out of there. So during Advent, we celebrate the love that Jesus offers us. He came close to us in the midst of our suffering and sin. So if you're walking into this Christmas season, walking through stuff, is anybody kind of walking through stuff, just stuff? Stuff is general, right? It's very easy to stand up from a pulpit and go, we are walking through stuff. But let's just be honest, we're walking through stuff. <laughs> right? And, and what's, what's really interesting is I think sometimes we forget that Jesus came to us in the middle of our stuff. He didn't tell you, get your stuff fixed, then come to me. He said, I'm going to come to you in the middle of your stuff. In the middle of your suffering, in the middle of your messed upness. I'm an English guy. Not really. God came to us in the middle of our stuff. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his love to us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ came to us. In the middle of the worst of us, he came to us. So during this Christmas season, let's remember it's vitally important for us to realize we don't have to be perfect to come to him. He came to us in our imperfection. Isaiah 63, verses 7 and 9, I love this passage. It says, I will tell of the Lord's unfailing love. I will praise the Lord for all he has done. I will rejoice in his great goodness to Israel, which he has granted according to his mercy and love. He said, they are my very own people. Surely they will not betray me again. And he became their savior. That whole thing will preach, but we're going to kind of pass it by for now. He became their savior. In all their suffering, he also suffered. What I hear in that is, you're going through stuff? Jesus said, I'll come go through your stuff with you. I'm not going to sit up on an ivory tower. I'm going to enter into your stuff and walk through your stuff with you. You're never going to want to hear the word stuff after this again, are you? In all their suffering, he also suffered, and he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. Jesus coming to earth put God's perfect love on display. And by the way, if you do have the CLF app, the sermon notes are in there with blanks. If you're feeling up to it, you can fill in the blanks yourself. If you're feeling lazy, there's a check mark. You can click it. It pops up magically because Andrew is just that good. Jesus came and put God's perfect love on display. We're going to talk about this love here in a minute. John 3.16, we know the verse. It's at football games. But the question is, I wonder in the middle of our stuff if the fog gets in the way of us really getting John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
Your stuff doesn't have to bring you down. Jesus came to rescue you from your stuff. Not just to take all the... I want to make sure you're hearing me right. I didn't say Jesus will take all your stuff away and you'll never face anything bad the rest of your life. He says, I'm going to come into your suffering and I'm going to make sure that you get through it. One of my favorite songs, the words of the song says, sometimes he calms the storm, but other times he calms his child. He never promised to take every storm away. Sometimes he said, I'm going to give you strong legs to stand through the storm. Why? So the next time you can help somebody through theirs, right? 1 John 4, 9 says this, in this, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, said there is tremendous relief, listen to this, in knowing that his love to me, God's love to me, is utterly realistic based on knowledge of the worst of me so that no discovery can disillusion him about me. Isn't it cool? Like, have you ever had a relationship in your life that you guard that area? Like, we're going to be friends, but you're not going to find out about this. Right? Why? Because we respect the person enough. But if, isn't it true, though, in that relationship, there's always a part hidden. We can't really be completely ourselves. Isn't it cool to know that he knows all about that and completely loves you anyway? He knows it all. So there's no reason for us to hide that part of us from him. Hide it from the people you might not want to be closest to, but with God, you can be confident knowing that he saw that and sent his son anyway. That love is beyond understanding. So this morning, I want to take a look at just a few points, and we're going to fly through this. As close as we're able to the love of God. I say as close as we're able because I think in our culture today, we say, oh yeah, God's love. God's love should have fill, should be consistently filling us with awe and wonder to where every time we sing a song about it, it should strike a chord deep inside of us. But I have a feeling that what happens, I'll tell you what happens to me. Sunday becomes a thing I do. Christmas becomes a thing we do. We go to church. And I forget the love of God. We have all these candles lit to celebrate the hope and peace and joy. I don't ever want this to be a thing we do. So let's look at a few things, a few points that we're going to hit. First of all, God's love is beyond imagination. Is beyond imagination. I'm going to read a few parts of this because this is good. Humanity waited for a long time for God to reveal himself, right? But while we were waiting, we weren't just waiting. Unfortunately, we were imagining. Follow me here. We were creating in our minds what God should look like, what he should do. Have you ever done that before? Well, God, why aren't you doing this? Have you ever sat back and thought about your expectation of God? <laughs> like, why do I expect you to act the way I want? <laughs> like, let's, let's just stop and think for a second. That's kind of like your toddler going, why did you make that stock decision for your 401k? You're... Joshua's going to come up to you and start asking about your retirement plans, right? That's like us going to God, God, why, why this? Follow me. God's chosen people, Israel, imagined that their Messiah would be a warrior that came God, down from God himself. You got, you got to think, why did the Pharisees and the Sadducees have such a hard time seeing this Jesus 
come, come as a baby and start healing these people and seeing these miracles, why did they have such a hard time? I want you to catch the parallels. Why did the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, have such a hard time recognizing Jesus? It's because their imagination and expectations of him didn't match. So therefore, God can't, how can God do something that I don't imagine he can do? Of course he's going to send a warrior and overthrow the Romans and get rid of Caesar and set Israel up. As, or he could come in humility as a baby because he wants to represent what true love is. So it eliminated everything that they had imagined. God's love is beyond our simple imagination. That's the downside of imagination. Watch this. Imagination's a very good thing. God put it there. But when we imagine God, listen, apart from the way he chose to reveal himself, now we're in trouble. Now we start imagining God as we want him to be. Right? God's revealed himself through his word. But when we start imagining, well, God, here's how you should act, now all of a sudden our imagination is holding us back, right? We need to understand God's love is far beyond our imagination because then a terrible thing can happen. Our idea of God starts to look like us. You realize your God is not you? I hope. God doesn't act like you. God doesn't look like you. God's love is far beyond our love. God's grace is far beyond our, our Romans chapter 1, verse 20. If you don't have this highlighted in your Bible, I hope you do. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they're without excuse. A really good quote here. It says, God is actually not interested in remaining hidden. It is true that he's too great to comprehend, too beautiful to look upon, too complex for humans to figure out. But hear this, that's not something he's tried to do. It's just a fact of who he is, right? It, who God is, is it's not possible. And, and I keep trying, here's the crazy part. You know the hardest part for pastors or anybody who stands up here is trying to figure out how to relay the supernatural using natural examples. Because I can talk about Joshua trying to understand retirement accounts, but that is a hundred million times easier than us understanding the love of God. Like, it's not even worth comparing. So when I use an example, A.W. Tozer, actually, in The Knowledge of the Holy, said it's like a grasshopper trying to comprehend an angel. It's, it, we, we can't even close to comprehend it. And take that and multiply it times infinity. And that's how, that's how far God's love is beyond our imagination. So when we say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, that's why that's the greatest theological truth of all time. Because the love of God that is way beyond our imagination, because of who God is, came down for Sean. I hope I'm relaying a little bit of the immensity of what God's love is. This is a massive thing that the God of the universe that created you came to earth for you for a relationship. Beyond our understanding. Number two, God's love is whole and perfect. Whole and perfect. First Corinthians chapter 13, you can't do a sermon. I think, it, I think the world might crash and burn if a pastor preached a sermon on love and didn't use First Corinthians 13. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. That's a joke, by the way. Love is patient. Now, okay, real quick before I read this, I want you to compare this to the relationships in your life. When I was reading this, you know what I thought? The Holy Spirit said, Chris, check this against your marriage. <clears throat> I'm not telling you that. That's what the Holy Spirit told me. But I would challenge you, compare this. This is God's love. This is love. Compare this and see how far we have to go. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. I've been provoked today. Does not take account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. And my favorite four, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I'm like, my gosh, I have so far to go. But God's love is all of this. All the time. <clears throat> Watch this. And this is direct quotes from the knowledge of the holy. Listen to this. Because God is immutable, that's that term that Pastor John talked about a while back, which means he doesn't change over time. Because God is immutable, he always acts like himself, and he never suspends one of his attributes in order to exercise another. For me, in my tainted-by-sin version of love, I kind of have to set aside love for justice. Like, does this make sense? I kind of have to set aside, it's hard, I don't even know how to exercise all of these things all of the time, right? I kind of have to take on one, put down another, because I don't have whole and perfect love. God's love never suspends justice for love. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad the other way around, that he never suspends love for justice? He is the only being in the universe who is capable of doing perfect love. Whole love. So when we say, your love never fails, we're not just singing about a sign language love that you and I feel. We're saying the love of God that is perfect, that is whole, is never turned off. Even in his judgment, his love is never turned off. Even in his holiness, his love is never turned off. But what do we do? Let's go back to the first point. In our imagination, we assume that God's this God of a big hammer who if he comes down on you, he puts aside his love. Why? It's because we've imagined a God that's like us. That stupid song back in the day, what if God was one of us? He's not. He's not. He's nowhere close to you and me. You and I have imperfect love that's been tainted by sin. His is perfect. He is not holding a big hammer waiting for you to mess up. He has open arms waiting for you. Now, whether it be, is he going to take away all the consequences of our bad choices? He never promised that because he doesn't have to set aside his love to give justice. But isn't it cool that the one who controls your eternal destiny doesn't have to set aside his love to give provision for our stupid choices. My gosh. I, I, want, I want you to be filled with a little more awe. I love this next quote from Tozer. From God's other attributes, this is just beautiful, we may learn much about his love. We can know, for instance, that because God is self-existent, his love had no beginning. We don't understand that because we had a beginning. Our mind only works in beginnings and ends. It's literally impossible for us to understand a love that never began. 
I want, I want your thought about the love of God to grow. I'll tell you what this book did for me as I'm reading through Scripture, especially with Romans combining these two. My worship took a completely new form because who God is is not like me. Who God is is awe-inspiring. For instance, because God is self-existence, his love had no beginning. Because he is eternal, his love can have no end. Because he is infinite, it has no limit. Because he is holy, his love has spotless purity. Because he is immense, his love is an incomprehensibly vast, bottomless, shoreless sea before which we kneel in joyful silence. Quit thinking of his love as something you have to earn that turns on and off based on your actions. Re please, please, over the holiday season, I would encourage today, read Romans chapter 8 especially the last four or five verses. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor this or that or that or that or that or that can ever separate you from that love. Let this sink in. Let this sink in. Your creator loves you with that. That's the reason for Christmas. Let that grow, man. We're going to sing a song in a few minutes. It's an old hymn called The Love of God. And, and somebody asked, are we singing Christmas songs? Come Tuesday night as an early announcement, Christmas Eve service. Pastor John's going to do Christmas carols and everything else. But I'm going to sing a Christmas so song that's not a Christmas song about the love of God. Because the love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song. Number three, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I want to mention it because this is a very deep subject. Feel free to come talk about this afterwards, but I want to mention it here because this is where culture's view of love and God's view of love radically shift. Point number three is God is more than love. So first I'm going to read a scripture, and then we're going to, I'm going to read you a couple quotes, and then we're probably going to move on, but I need to throw this in so you'll hear this. 1 John chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says this, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. If you did not hear Pastor John's sermon from last week on, on uh, joy, you need to go back and listening about and abiding in him, right? And we have known and believed the love God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So I'm going to read this directly from Tozer, and I'm going to describe this a little bit. This is deep, but I want you to hear this, please. The Apostle John, by the Spirit, wrote, God is love. And some have taken this to be a defining statement concerning the nature of God. This is a great error. John was, by those words, stating a fact. He was not offering a definition. Please hear this. God is love. God does not equal love. We need to go here for just a minute. An orange is a fruit, true? A equals B. Does that mean every fruit is an orange? So we can't, by human logic, go, if God is love, then that means everything God does is all love. It's all beds of roses. It's all smiles and happy. And if I'm ever not experiencing happy, then God no longer loves me. That's the false theology we can start getting if we equate God and love. Does this make sense? This is very, I, I, I want you to hear this. God is love is a truth. God is equal to love is not true. Because here's, here's the reason. The next Tozer quote, good, I wrote this up here. If literally God is love, 
then literally love is God. And we are all bound to worship love as the only God there is. If love is equal to God, then God is only equal to love. And God and love are identical. This is where we need to separate the idea that God is equal to love. No, God is love all the time. God is holy all the time. God is justice all the time. God is joy. God is peace. God is, so, God is all these things all the time. But we can get very bad theological mindsets if we start thinking that God is only love. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I just want you to hear this. If you disagree, if you have any questions, let's talk afterwards. But I need you to hear, as we go through the Christmas season, stop thinking that if you're facing bad circumstances in your life that you've left God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor anything else can separate you from the love of God. God is love. God is not only love. Okay? If you've got any questions, we'll talk about that later. But I felt the need to touch on that as we walk through this. So point number four, and this is where I want to end. Actually, yeah, yeah, go on there first. But I'm, I'm going to read one more thing. I want you to hear this because this is in your notes also. The only love that we can feel and express today is clouded by sin. You need to realize that. God created you and created Adam and Eve in the perfect garden with no taint. <laughs> There's nothing in the way of us knowing God's perfect love. Because of sin, you will never be able to fully comprehend God's love until you look him face to face. Miss Sarah finally understands God's love completely. You see, I'm, I'm an old school video game guy. When my dad, there you go. When my dad passed away in 2011, the Holy Spirit gave me this mind picture. And he said, Chris, your dad just leveled up. He just upgraded. Miss Sarah just went from a tainted love to God's unadulterated, untainted love. And she understands it. I never look forward to anyone passing away, but I so look forward to seeing him face to face. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And I kind of, I kind of passed, I, well, I kind of passed my very first thing. It's all right. I kind of messed up my own thing. Number four, God is asking me to point others to his love. The point of understanding his love as much as we can is to appreciate it. But have you ever... Let's be honest for a minute, okay? You can admit this. We're in the house of God, so don't lie. Don't lie outside of the house of God. It's a pet peeve of mine. I can't, I, I can't, I can't lie. I'm in church. Well, you should lie outside the church. I can't cuss. I'm in church. If you're going to cuss outside the church, hey, I'm just kidding. So how many people in the room, no, how many people in the room are the people who kind of hoard the last two cookies? I'm that guy right now. I'm married to a girl who has tried to break me from this because I do receive a guilt trip when she's like, there were two left. I said, yeah, two for me. That's like, she said, no, one for you, one for me. I'm like, this is Twix, baby. This is two for me, none for you. So, but here's the point. We should, we, we can hoard cookies is one thing, but when we hoard the love of God and try to keep it in, how dare we? How dare we hoard the love of God? If you have experienced this love, how dare you not share that with someone else, right? I love the ministry of MSP and Living Recovery. The reason Laura and I are here is because I love and I'm sold out 
to the vision of Pastor Mark and where this church is going. Because we share the love of God and point others to it. This is a, this is a quote from Tozer's book. This is, I, I, if you've never read A.W. Tozer, he's a poet, man. He's, he writes beautifully. I can no more do justice to that awesome and wonder-filled love than a child can grasp a star. Still, hear this, by reaching toward the star, the child may call attention to it and even indicate the direction one must look to see it. So, as I stretch my heart toward the high, shining love of God, someone who has not before known about it may be encouraged to look up and have hope. My gosh. How dare we hold on to the love that radically changed our lives? Let's point to the star, not so they can get it and understand it all, but does your life show a life of gratitude to the point to where they know where to look? And I'm not talking about CLF. I don't care what church you go to. Get plugged into the love of God, experience it, and then point others to it. Micah, you can come on back up. Let's use our imagination to end today. I want you to think about this real quick, how great the love of God is. It's incredible, right? I want you to ask yourself, have you ever thought, there's two, um, sorry, there's two dramas. I love writing dramas. There's two dramas I wrote a long time ago, um, decades now. Wow, gray hair. One of them was called What He Left. Have you ever imagined what he left? So our hope is heaven, right? We're looking forward to the streets of gold and the sea that looks like glass and seeing God face to face. He left our hope to give us hope. He left angels worshiping him 24-7 to having Mary change his diaper. That's his love. He left an incomprehensible, we have no way to understand how beautiful, how wonderful heaven is. He left that for Aiden. Just for him. And if he was the only one, the Bible says, he still would have done it. And the, the other idea was, and Brian actually performed this at one point, can you imagine the angel's response when they heard Jesus, this is a human mindset, but when they heard Jesus was going to earth, the angels see the wonder of God, know the wonder of God. And Michael, the archangel, finds out that the God of the universe is going to die for those scum. That's his love. The greatness of who he is came here in the middle of your stuff for you. The goal of Christmas, one of the goals of Christmas is to comprehend as much as we're able to the act of love that God displayed in the incarnation. Then we should duplicate that kind of love to others as much as we're able to. Three types that I have in the notes. Illogical love, even for people who don't deserve it. We can't have God's love completely and show it but how it is manifest to us, we can copy as much as we can. God's love is illogical. We need to love people. You're going you're to meet people over the holidays. You're going to see family members. You know somebody's face just popped into your head. You don't want to see them. You don't want to love them. But even when they don't deserve it, the least we can do is duplicate the love of God. Self-sacrificing love that may cost us comfort. I'm going to challenge you to do something over this season that is outside your comfort zone. If everything we do over Christmas is comfortable and doesn't hurt, 
I would challenge us that was a selfish Christmas. Let's sacrifice some comfort to give this Christmas season. And then forgiving love, regardless of what other people have done. There was a survey that I, uh, that I forgot to talk about at the beginning. It kind of messed up my whole thing, but that's okay. The survey was, what are, what are the top three word sentences you enjoy hearing said to you? And the top three were, I love you, I forgive you, and supper is ready. I'm like, amen. But watch this. Our Advent celebration, God's saying those same things to you, and it ties everything up perfectly. Here is our joy. God says, I love you, which gives us love. God says, I forgive you, which gives us peace. And one day he's going to say the, supper, marriage, the marriage supper of the Lamb is ready. That gives us hope. That's what our Advent celebration is about, is that we experience his love, we experience his joy, we experience his hope, we experience his peace. All four of these are open to us. God gives them as gifts. I'll tell you what's funny. How many, how many of you have kids who just, they wish there was a pre-Christmas opening of presents? Can you imagine your kids Christmas morning or whenever you celebrate, they wake up, see the presents under the tree and just leave them? No, I'm good. But you realize that's what we do? These four things are our presents that God has given every one of us. And so many of us haven't opened them yet. They're sitting there waiting. His hope, his joy, his love, his peace. We're like, God, I don't have any hope. And God says, I've provided it. I don't have any peace. I've provided it. So here's my question this morning. Do you know that joy? Do you live in that peace? Have you experienced the hope? Have you experienced the love? Some of you may say, it's been a long time. Here's what I want to do. Mike and I are going to sing here in a minute. When I do, and I'm just going to explain a little bit, the way, in case it's been a while or in case you haven't been to many church services, we, we call this part of the service usually kind of the altar call. And the reason for that is there's a point to where when I didn't experience that joy, I needed to surrender my idea of what life should look like. Right? My idea of what life should look like has gotten my results. And what I know is I need to try something else. So my challenge this morning is try Jesus. If you don't have the hope and the joy and the peace and the love that you're looking for, then look at everybody in the room and ask if they've experienced it. And I say everybody, I know there's some that don't. So what I would challenge you this morning, this is the time where we're going to surrender the idea and go, God, I'm kind of tired of not experiencing these things, and I'd like to. And that's why this, is, this area up here can be a lot of times referenced to as an altar because this is where we come to and surrender our ideas of what my life should look like. And I'm like, God, I want to live life your way. I want, you, I want to live life on your terms, not on my terms anymore. So what I'll, what I'll invite you to do is while we're singing a couple of these songs about the love of God and about the wonder and the awe and the majesty of who God is, if you'd like to come up and either stand or kneel, somebody will come up to you and help introduce you to the hope, to the joy, to the peace, to the love that Christ can offer. Because that's what this is about. What if in 10 years you can look back and go, I remember the moment when my joy began. I remember the moment that the love of God became real in my life. Not that you understood it all, but that you experienced it. This morning can be that if you'd like it to. So as we sing, I'd like, I'd like to invite you up. Um, let me pray for you real quick, though. Because I'm not going to pray for you to understand the love of God this Christmas season. I'm going to pray that you experience it.
in your darkest moments and your lightest moments. That's what we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Gratitude is the only logical response to your love. And that's not even logical. There should be more. There should be higher. There should be something greater we can do. But the only thing we know to do is gratitude. So Lord, this morning we thank you for the four parts of Advent that we've celebrated over the last few months, or over the last few weeks. Your hope, your joy, your peace, and your love. This morning, our only goal is to make sure that those emotions, not just the emotions, Lord, but those, those parts of our life that you offer that we can have for the rest of our lives because we commit our lives to you. Holy Spirit, draw people to yourself this morning. And Lord Jesus, experience us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.